All right, so even though this is being released on a Thursday, we're actually recording tonight on a Monday, which is weird, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, and so tonight, you know, the storms are making their way through central Illinois. Who or what made X-Men member Storm so angry with the land of Lincoln? Um, Tabitha, let's start with you on tonight. Honestly, it's probably all these people that can't stop driving through buildings in this area. She's like, let's just wipe them all out. They can't drive. They're all fired. Lydia. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's just upset because it's so humid. So she just decided to make it just rain instead. Oh, that's just, that's really nice of her, actually. It is. Right? I appreciate her. <laughs> I think that she's really not happy with the uh, public schools saying, hey, you can't wear your pajamas when you're doing at-home learning. <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. It made national news. I don't mm-hmm. need the news. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt. Uh, coworkers who stop, can't stop getting COVID. <laughs> You're so bitter. I am bitter. <laughs> maybe, maybe said coworker just thinks that you have to get tested for COVID nineteen times. Well, you know, fourth times the charm. Apparently, <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing. Got fifteen more left. Uh, that's a lot of st- things getting stuck up noses. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. All right, so we've got a uh, kind of a programming note to start tonight off. Uh, next week, August 20th, we are going to be celebrating our fifth anniversary. Uh, We're going to have some special things and special guests uh, lined up. We're going to announce some of them over the next week, uh, but also mostly we're just excited to celebrate with you. So definitely stay tuned to our Facebook and Instagram. And I don't know, maybe I'll even like go crazy and tweets and stuff, you know, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, to kind of figure out what we're going to be doing and then also be sure to uh, listen to us next week. Um, Yeah, it's kind of weird that we've been doing this for five years, almost. Yeah. 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 It is kind of weird. That seems like a really long time, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like it's been very long at all. No. No, not at all. The crazy part to me is I've been around for three years already. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah, and you're still on your trial run, which is weird. That's terrifying. Do do I need to be scared? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no you're safe just i kid i kid of course i'm safe i'm your secretary <laughs> you're tabitha's secretary correct <laughs> yeah if if i got rid of you then my shame bell count would drop dramatically so maybe you're not safe i don't know <laughs> i'm terrified now <laughs> guys if i'm not here next week you know why mitch fired me <laughs> We have a great severance package, though. I'll, I'll still pay you your normal hourly rate for the next year. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
nothing divided by nothing. It's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked about it on the show last week, I think, and it came out. um, CBS All Access has premiered Star Trek Lower Decks. I watched it. I think Matt and Tabitha watched it. I'm assuming, Lydia, you're not, you don't Star Trek, right? I Star Trek. I just was too busy at work today. Fair enough. Um, so what'd you guys think? Um, I love this. <laughs> this felt super relatable for me who lives in Springfield and we don't have spaceships that I can just work on. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I want this life, honestly. Like this is just, this was fantastic. Like the humor was well done and like, it had that like Star Trek feel where it kind of is making fun of itself mm-hmm. and you don't really realize it, but you do like, I can't wait to see where this goes. Like this was just amazing. Matt, what do you think? This was a lot of fun. I was a little iffy after watching the trailer just because I'm like, well, like I know Star Trek kind of makes fun of itself, you know, and you know, takes itself kind of lightly, but um, I was a little hesitant initially but like this this was a riot this was fun it was quick it was quippy um i mean i'm i'm definitely ready for the rest of the episodes like the rest of the season to watch more of this and find out where uh oh what did she call i can't remember when the captain messed up uh balmer I can't remember what his name is. Oh yeah, she she did have like some kind of weird name, and he was like, what, like the moment, like he kind of stood up for himself or whatever. And she's like, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I I really enjoyed it too, and um, I was I was a little apprehensive, but I just I I, I enjoyed how yeah it doesn't it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, with something you know, like with animation, I mean, yeah, there's going to be continuity errors as opposed to, you know, like the, the rest of the series. But, hey, it's also Star Trek. There have been, what, 50-plus years of continuity errors. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, what? Uh, I forgot about the only moment in the show that I did not like. <laughs> well, <laughs> made, it all, made it all the way to the very end of the episode before anything happened that you didn't like. And then they mentioned Deanna Troy. Oh yeah, <laughs> They're stupid pantsuits. But um, so annoyed. It was fading so out. Annoyed. It was fading out too. Like, well, what about Deanna Troy and her pantsuits? Like, uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody listened to our show and like decided like throw that in real quick at the very last moment. Mm, maybe, but also I feel like. Everyone kind of hates Deanna Troy if they're like at all a Star Trek fan. So I feel like they did that on purpose, not to annoy me, but just to annoy everyone in general. Fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, also, and I know this is kind of like super nerdy on my end, but like I really like those uniforms. Not gonna lie, because this yeah, does. Real- yeah, because this does take place. It's shortly after like um, the Next Generation era or whatever so it doesn't take place uh during picard or anything like that but like but yeah i like the uniforms uh i love that the doctor is a cat (laughs) that's fantastic i'm sure that's intentional but all i can think is squatchy Squatchy? yeah (laughs) (laughs) see like 
I felt like the doctor was giving off like mad um, Pulaski vibes. Mm. Yeah. I just like I loved the part. Like there's like like the uh, the science off the science incident that we're following. I can't remember anybody's names. Um, uh, but like when they're like, you, you think she's gonna tell you, but then she's just had this horrible day because she you know she worked in the the sick bay and all this stuff, and she's like, I got to hold a heart. That was great. And I'm like, oh my god, this is why I'm not on a starship because that's exactly. <laughs> and can we also talk about like the uh, the intro, like how it's like how that also parodied like so many other Star Trek themes. Yes. Um, I really loved when like the starship was like pulling up to like this fight with the Borg or whatever, and they're like, mm, JK, mm. <laughs> <laughs> 160, and we're gone. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> But yeah, I can't, I can't wait for more episodes. Um, starting off, like, starting off, we're already, what, like, 10 minutes in? Um, so there was actually some big news that came out yesterday. Uh, and I hadn't, this was after I posted my stories to you guys. But there is a glimmer of hope in the dumpster fire that is 2020. <laughs> uh, so as you guys probably know, Christopher Eccleston played the ninth doctor. Um, who was also the Doctor Who, Doctor Who brought Doctor Who back to life. Doctor <laughs> um, <That's> Who, <laughs> um, but he left after one season because of issues with uh, behind the scenes with some of the higher ups with the crew or whatever. Um, and for years, he wanted nothing to do with the franchise. That said, he has signed on to voice uh, new Doctor Who adventures, uh, audio adventures from BBC and Big Finish in May 2021. And he also said, quote, it will be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor's world, bring back uh, to life a character I love playing. I've never listened to any of the Big Finish audios. Um, a lot of audio stuff doesn't really do it for me, but I am so excited for this. Like, Christopher Eccleston, like the Ninth Doctor, that is my doctor. That is who, you know, who I fell in love with watching the show. So just the fact that he's, like, kind of, getting back into the universe and who knows this may even lead to another actually on-screen performance yeah i mean that would be that would be fun considering that we've seen smith and tenant um you know work together on screen um it would be nice to see eccleson um in general i probably just have one word to say about this brilliant <laughs> Like the, one of the reasons I'm afraid to keep going with Doctor Who is because the doctors keep changing and I know me and I'm going to get super attached and then I'm going to be upset and I'm going to hate everything for a while. So, I mean, that's the only, he's the only one I've seen. And I've only seen what, like six or seven episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, but if I keep going, then he goes away forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, yes, that happens. But, yeah. you know. But, but then you get attached to the new doctor because they have new quirks that you love. <laughs> it's basically a never-ending cycle of hurt. And that's really it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, see, I don't like that. I don't like to feel emotions. Yeah. Oh, God. Now you got me thinking about the sad fact of when Whitaker's going to be done, too. Like, I'm not ready for that already. Oh, yeah. There's also the... It's always that exciting time, though, when they do regenerate, like... Because it's like... 
I don't know. It's kind of like on the one hand, it's like, oh man, I'm really going to be sad to see this person go, but I'm really excited to see what this other new person does. True. But. I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm super, super pumped. Um, few things that we are going to preview for you tonight. Uh, the first one is uh, called Shadow Service, and actually all of these books are going to be out August 19th. Uh, the first one, Shadow Service, is from Vault. Uh, it's written by uh, Kavan Scott with art by Corin Howell. And Gina Myers is a uh, PI in London who also happens to be a witch. Uh, and it's dubbed kind of uh, Spycraft meets Black Magic. Uh, I really enjoyed this. It was... It's got its fair share of gore, um, but I don't know. I liked I liked the character development that we already saw with with Gina, and I think the rat's name is Eddie. Eddie. Mm-hmm. Eddie is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lydia, let's start with you on this one. What do you think? I love this. It is dark. It is gory. It is humorous in the right ways. I love the mix of like spies with magic. And I'm not going to lie, as soon as Eddie came up on the page, I started giggling. Because <laughs> he is just so cute. <laughs> like, I cannot wait to see where this goes from here. Uh, Tabitha. This had, like, the um, old school detective story vibe mm-hmm. with, like, the way it was told where you're, like, you're getting, like, that voiceover in your head and, like, it's very hard for a comic to make me feel like I'm watching a movie, but this kind of did, and I really appreciated that. Also, I need to know what's going on. I need to know where she is. I need to know where she's going. I need to know who these people are. Like, I finished, and I was like, okay, now I need the next one. Cool. And I don't have it. That's fine. Um, it is by far, like, my favorite thing. And if I'm, like, a magic detective and I get a familiar and it's not a rat, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, this was absolutely fantastic. I got done and I immediately went back to the email and I'm like, hmm, I got to find out when this releases because if it comes out Wednesday, I need to go get it. If it comes out next week, I need to make sure I go get it because like, I, I want, like, I want the hard copy and not that I didn't, I, like, I read the whole thing, but I want to read it again. Mm-hmm. Also, because I feel like there's probably some little stuff that has been thrown in that I may have missed. Yeah. Um, just because there is that that blend of the uh, the noir, like, uh, detective story to go along with this, like, dark supernatural aspect of it. Um and uh, I don't know. I, I am a horror fan. So like the gore was a little surprising in some cases, but didn't really throw me off. It really kind of just added, I think for me to the whole thing. Yeah. And, and that's one thing too. I mean, it's like, cause I'm not like super into horror, but like the gore, like it was like, it was just enough, you know, it didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't enough to like, to turn me off to it, but it was just like, Oh, that's happening. That's cool. Yeah. It wasn't just There's... gore for gore's sake. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There was a purpose for it, and in those instances, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, There's the one scene towards the end. Um, it's only a couple pages, I think, from the end where she finds that the body. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
like I, we'd seen some of the gore before, but that was like, whoo, okay. I mean, I knew we were getting some gore, but that kind of caught me off guard. But I'm, you know, I see how it kind of fits. So yeah. And one last thing too before we move on, like, and I'm sure it's just because I read where it takes place in London, like I must have read it in the email or whatever, and didn't have it register or whatever, or like it registered like subconsciously. But like the first couple pages, I was like, I was already imagining her with like with a London accent and stuff like that. I was like, and then like they even said like, you know, mentioned London. I was like, oh, hey, cool. I was right. Oh, the part that the the little tidbit like that that I caught that I really enjoyed was when I first opened up the cover of the preview, the mm-hmm. PDF, and I realized it's an MI six six six. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm already in for this. So, uh, keeping with the witchy theme, um, next up is Little Witches. It's going to be out from Oni Press. This one is written and illustrated by Lee Dragoon. Uh, it's based on the classic Little Women, but now with added magic. Uh, I didn't finish this, but from what I've read so far, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I honestly, I don't even think I've ever read Little Women. Little Women. Um, I feel like it might have been one of those books I was supposed to read in school. And I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get the Cliff Notes because. <laughs> I was I was bad with like required reading in school, you know. Let me read what I want on my own time, but you're gonna force me to read um, some. Uh, I can't even think of her name, so never mind. But you know, you're gonna force me to read something. It's like I'm less interested because you're telling me to read it. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, but like, I started reading this, and I was like, is this? little women this feels like little women (laughs) but i think i think something like this is a lot better than say like pride and prejudice and zombies (laughs) (laughs) tabitha you gave me a look why oh my god pride prejudice and zombies you just (laughs) i just you just can't like (laughs) I thought I was going to be annoyed by this because typically when they take these classic novels, especially classic novels that I love, because like I used to read Little Women at Christmas every single year, like clockwork. It's just my Christmas book. Um, Like we usually when they take stuff like this and they change it or they add in like that, like paranormal or magical element or whatever, like Pride, Prejudice and Zombies or Sensibility and Sea Monsters or whatever the heck they were. (laughs) Um, like I get real irritated because I'm like, you know, you couldn't come up with your own original content. So you just took an idea, like a classic idea and you sprinkled a little something, something in there. And now you expect me to like it. Well, now I like this. So I have to eat my words. Uh, (laughs) I really am enjoying this. Like I'm not all the way through it. I'm like a little more than halfway. And like the things that they're changing are like, not the fundamentals of the story. Like, the fundamentals of the story have still stayed the same. Like, they're just adding in magic. And it's magic in a way that would be not acceptable, but, like, known in the time period when Louisa May Alcott wrote this. And, like, they're talking about, like, abolition, and they're talking about the war, and they're talking about, you know, transcendentalism and all this stuff. And I'm like... Okay, like, they did a really good job with it, but I need to see how it ends to know if I'm going to hate it or not. 
Um, because I'm worried there's gonna I'm I'm worried they're gonna like do a love thing and it's not gonna be the love thing that they need to do and it's gonna make me angry. Um <laughs> Well we're gonna see how it goes. But I'm I'm enjoying this so far, much more than Pride Prejudice and Zombies, which is trash and no one should ever read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on Little Witches, not necessarily Pride Prejudice and Zombies? <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not very far into this, not as far as I would like to be. Um, I know that when this, um, like the arcs first kind of went out for this, um, it was getting a lot of press. Um, so I'm excited that we got a chance to read this. Um, I'm definitely going to finish it. And I do like, I, Little Women was never a book that I read, like growing up. Um, I think the first actual like, read through I had of it was listening to the audiobook last year before the most recent movie version came out because I was required to see to read that before we went to go see the film. Um, <laughs> I had to have no doubt you were required I, to. <laughs> yeah, it was required reading. It was required reading. Sometimes that happens in this house. <laughs> I wonder why. Right? Um, but I I definitely enjoyed Little Women more than I thought I would. Um, I I have found a character in Joe that I do love as a writer, um, both you know the movie version and the book version, and already to see some of that come through in this adaptation, um, I like. And it, I just have to echo what Tabitha said though about how like the magic hasn't changed anything fundamental about the story. It's just been kind of added in um which i like with you know without changing things too too drastically so yeah. all right lastly we have rick and morty go to hell number three uh also from oni press written by uh ryan farrier art by uh constanza orzana uh sarah stern and crank uh rick and morty face demons from their past and other intestinal issues uh <laughs> And Matt, I know you just finished talking, but uh, what'd you think of this one? I continue to love this series. Um, I I still think that at this point, my only, I guess, concern with this is that it drags on too long. Um, but considering that this issue, we get all the way through the quote unquote third trial, and then they are kind of on their way to the fourth trial, I don't see that really being an issue as much anymore. Like, I feel like it's going to, um, it's going to keep moving. Um, but <laughs> what's that? A gastrointestinal joke? Yeah. <laughs> keep things moving. Keep things moving. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're we're classy around here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know. I just continue to love this because it is, it's like, it is Rick and Morty. I mean, to a T. You read the characters and you hear the voices, and I enjoy that. Tabitha, what'd you think? Um, I really like this. I've liked every single issue of this that we've read. This one, for me, was a little lacking, but I think it's because there was more Jerry, and if Rick and Morty... <laughs> if I could, like, rewrite Rick and Morty, there would be no Jerry. Like, Jerry's the most annoying creature. Like, I just can't. <laughs> um, like, and I get that Jerry gives plot points and, like, moves the story along, but, like, it just... 
Jerry makes me want to die. Um, so there was too much Jerry, but other than that, this was, this was good. It's just, I, I enjoy these because it's like watching a Rick and Morty episode, but I don't have to sit down and watch it. I can read it in 10 minutes instead of spending 25 watching it. Um, yeah, I agreed. I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like with this, uh, with this, I almost said this episode, with this issue, <laughs> um, I was a little, uh, not lost, um that's not what i want to say because you know as somebody who doesn't watch rick and morty religiously this issue specifically i felt had a lot of moments that i recognized that i was missing missing the joke on you know missing the references i'm sure there have been other moments in the past issues where i have missed some things but i didn't notice that i missed them like this time i was like i should know who you are but i don't you know oh like the mr meeseeks thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but um, but yeah. But overall, uh, yeah, it's a fun story. Uh, I kind of echo what you're saying, Matt. Like, I and I don't think this is going to go on much longer uh, than like probably like six or seven issues or something like that. It's not like we're going to get issue number one hundred of Rick and Morty go to hell. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like, it, it, I feel like they they know exactly where they're going, and I'm interested to see where they end up. Uh, guys, let's get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start with Matt uh, with the Raised by Wolves trailer. So, <clears throat> uh, HBO Max is bringing out a new series. It premieres on September 3rd. It is entitled Raised by Wolves. It is from the creative genius, if you will, of uh, Ridley Scott. Um, he is directing the first two episodes of this 10 episode series. Um, I mean, the short answer for the plot is that two androids, uh, must raise human children on a mysterious virgin planet. And this is pretty much classic Ridley Scott. It's androids, weird aliens, alien planets, and the essence of what it is to be human. Um, I'm, I'm strangely intrigued by this trailer, but also kind of creeped out at the same time. Um, and if I could get HBO max for less than $15 a month, I would be a hundred percent thumbs up, but the cost for that is still a little much for the overall content, but I'm still going to, uh, I'll go thumbs up as a whole. Lydia. I'm intrigued by the premise of this, but yeah, I'm not gonna spend that much money to get another streaming service just to watch this one thing. So thumb sideways, I guess. Uh, I felt when I was watching this trailer, I felt 100% like this was not for me. Thumbs down. I just didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, um, when I was watching this trailer, I felt 100% discomfort. Like, this yeah. is so uncomfortable. Like, everything about this was uncomfortable. Like, you're telling me a three little pig story in the background, which is creepy anyway. And then, like, everybody's on fire. And I just, like, this looks like something that was written in the 80s. It's like an epic sci-fi novel. And then they were like, now we're going to create a TV show, but we're not going to change anything. And it just... No, this is getting a thumbs down for me because if you decide to watch this, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
hopefully less creepy. Uh, Hulu has announced that Animaniacs will premiere on November 20th, uh, 22 years after its final episode. Uh, the reboot is also going to be produced by Steven Spielberg. And we're going to get 13 episodes this year and then 13 more sometime in 2021. Uh, I cannot wait for you. I, I cannot stress enough how much I cannot wait for more Animaniacs. Thumbs all the way up. Tabitha. Um, I was feeling pretty good until you told me it was 22 years since Animaniacs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I'm just going to go ahead and retire. So. <laughs> um, no, thumbs up. I loved Animaniacs. Like, it was hands down one of my favorite cartoons when I was a kid. So, other than the fact that I feel super old now, thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. I need to check the mailbox for my AARP card. Because... Um, <laughs> God, that makes me feel old. Um, but no lie, if the theme song's the same, I could still probably sing along with it. Mm-hmm. So thumbs up for more Animaniacs. Lydia. Yeah, most definitely thumbs up for more Animaniacs. I am excited to see this. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about authors for Black Voices. So the um, Authors for Black Voices is an auction that started on August 3rd and will be running until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on August 31st. Um, All funds from the auction will go to support nonprofits working toward racial justice in publishing, education, and literacy. The bids are open internationally, but the funds will go to nonprofits here in the United States. Um, There's currently 60 items up for auction across all sorts of genres. Um, There's mentoring sessions, bookish items, things like that. Um, The, uh, the, um, they will end up distributing funds to 10 different uh, not-for-profits, 501Cs. Black Girls Code, We Need Diverse Books, uh, the National Association of Black Journalists, Association for the Study of African American Life and History. Um, There's all kinds of stuff in this auction. Um, There's a couple of signed copies, a couple of annotated copies of books by authors, extra content, um, the You show that's on Netflix or wherever that is, uh, the author of that book has put up some deleted scenes from her book. S.H. Rocker Bordy has given an alternate epilogue and an annotated copy of her most recent book, Empire of Gold. Um, somebody's offering an unpub, an unplub, an oh my god, unpublished novel that she worked on, in addition to like signed copies of things. Some authors are like even going as far as signing up to be mentors or doing like a like a uh, like a one-on-one like counseling session about your novel or your work in progress. There's just all kinds of stuff. Like, this list is just never-ending. This is fantastic. Like, if you were going to do anything for the bookish community and then auction off, like, weird random book stuff, which is mostly extra content or, like, getting one-on-one time with authors, like, you did the right thing. Like, they could have given away, like, one thing and nobody would have cared. But, like, they're doing all of this and it's just, this is amazing. Like, this is what we need. We need this for more things, but we definitely need this for right now. So I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm going to check the account balance and see how much I can bid on this uh, <laughs> one-on-one time. I'll be back. Thumbs up. You don't get any <laughs> one time with us, Hey, Charker Boy. Damn it. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is a really amazing thing. I love that they're, they put so much work and so much thought into what they're doing with this. So absolutely thumbs up. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a fantastic idea. A fantastic plan. 
Uh, thumbs up. I have nothing else to add. Um, Matt, let's talk about a Knight Rider reboot. Um, so this actually <clears throat> was, this information hit social media and news, I think Thursday night as we were getting ready to record. Um, so this is not necessarily week old, but I mean, it's not super new news. Um, but Spy, yeah, Spy Glass Media Group um, is working with James Wan and his Atomic Monster Production Group. And they are developing a brand new movie based on the 80s Knight Rider series. Um, TJ Fixman is adapting the screenplay. He has written for like half a dozen video games. So that gives me hope, actually, um, because some of the video games that he's written for are very well-plotted story-based video games. Um, we have no plot details, essentially, for how this will all play out. Um, I, as, as hokey as David Hasselhoff has essentially always been, I have always loved Knight Rider. Like, I was probably one of five people that watched the reboot series when that came out however oh. many years ago that was. I forgot that was a thing. Right, <laughs> exactly. Most people do, and for good reason, because it wasn't it wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> but I watched it anyway. Um, having James Wan attached to this, I'm going thumbs up. This, I'm hoping, hoping and praying for some awesome action scenes. Lydia. I say, I didn't forget about the newer series, but I, I had thought it was a movie already. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do with this. I just hope they do it justice and do it well. So thumbs up for the potential of this being good. Um, I'm going to go thumbs sideways on this. I like the idea of, uh, James Bond being attached, but I don't know. I need some, I guess, more plot details before I can really say one thing or another. Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with Mitch. I need more plot details, and I need to know it's not just going to be the same thing rehashed over and over and over, so thumb sideways. Well, I'm sure Kit will at least be electric this time. He's going to be a Tesla. Oh, my God. (laughs) Probably. Probably. But honestly, if this happens and Hasselhoff doesn't have a cameo, somebody has failed. Um. Hasselhoff will absolutely. There'll probably something written into the, like the Night Rider concept <laughs> where he have a cameo where it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, speaking of reboots, and when I read this article, and correct me if if I uh, if I'm wrong here, but um, when I read this article, I almost feel like we may have even talked about this before. But anyway, uh, so there's a retelling of. Blazing Saddles that's being redeveloped or that's being developed as an animated series. Have we talked about this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. So, um, it's now going to be called Blazing Samurai and it's going to follow a dog named Hank who wants to become a a samurai. Hank becomes in charge of protecting Kakamucho, a town he learns is populated entirely by cats. Uh, the cast includes Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Sarah, Ricky Gervais, George Takei, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and also Mel Brooks. <laughs> Blazing Saddles, don't get me wrong. I 
I enjoy this movie for what it is. Um, yeah, it does not age well in this current time that we live in. But I, I just, I, uh, why? Why do any of it? And if Mel Brooks is in it, clearly he's signed off on it. I just, I, no, <coughs> no, thumbs down. Tabitha. I hate Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so, that was yesterday? <laughs> I hate Blazing Saddles. I <clears throat> love all of the Mel Brooks movies, but that one, and it's like my kryptonite. Like, I hate it so hard. So you lost me at Blazing Saddles, so I didn't need to know anything else. And then you definitely lost me at a dog, samurai, I just, no, thumbs down. Mel. No. I want to like this because of the cast that's involved and the fact that Mel Brooks is attached. But this just sounds like a disaster trying to, I, I don't know, like reinvent this, rehash it. I, I don't know. I, mm, it hurts me to say this because Mel Brooks is attached and I love Mel Brooks, but thumbs down. Lydia. This sounds like somebody had a cold, went to bed with blazing saddles on in the background, had a fever dream about a dog walking into a city full of cats, and woke up and decided to turn it into whatever this is. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, what? Thumbs down. We no, just stop. <laughs> That was phenomenal by Lydia. <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> so there is a new Kickstarter celebrating the 100 greatest bla- uh, baseball. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, how about baseball um, players? It's by artist Mark uh, Chiarello and writer uh, Nell uh, Yamtov. So this book claims to settle the argument of who are the greatest players in history. Uh, each page is going to have a full-color illustration of a baseball icon as well as a bio highlighting major achievements. It's currently at, excuse me, uh, as of Monday night, it's currently at just over 28000 of its $35,000 goal with 17 days left to go. Uh, I checked out some of the art that was included with the Kickstarter. Um, it's really cool. I, and... I'm still giving it a thumbs up, but really, like, the only reason why I haven't already contributed to it, um, it's $40 for the book. And I think it's worth it, and I may change my mind in the next 17 days, but that's that's that, that's a little pricey for me. Uh, but still, thumbs up. It's really, really cool. Tabitha. Yeah, definitely a thumbs up. Anything that includes sports history and comic books, and you can get, like, multiple people involved like might not like one thing but might like another like that's always been my favorite thing that like any kind of comic book company has ever done when they bring in something that somebody might not always have known about or be interested in i really appreciate that so i'm giving that a thumbs up matt i think this sounds like a cool idea um i might you know as a baseball fan have to debate some of their top 100 but you know that's for a later story uh, but thumbs up lydia yeah i'm i'm with tabitha i like the idea of bringing two separate like bases of people together with something like this it's probably not something i would be interested in because i'm not that much into baseball but hey it might get somebody else into it so yeah thumbs up 
Tabitha, we are going to end gut reaction with the Baby Yoda news desk. So this is not really, there's not really much to say about this, but um, the Amazon Echo uh, Dot now has a stand that is Baby Yoda themed. Uh, it's his little little cowl of his little shirt and his little ears, and you set your little dot down in there. Pre-orders are available on Amazon. It's from Otterbox for 25 bucks. Basically, you can get it on Amazon or on Otterbox for sale. Um, they have, like, a bunch of these, and I didn't know about them, and I kind of started looking through them. They have a couple that are, like, Toy Story-themed and whatnot, but obviously this Baby Yoda one is the cutest. But I have a Hey Google. I don't have an Amazon Echo Dot. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid of that, too. I was waiting on it to yell at me. Um, <laughs> but, uh... I don't need an Amazon Echo, but like, it's so. Hold on, I gotta turn my brightness down so you guys can see it. Nope, wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. It's very cute. I don't need it, and it won't work with my Google, but it's cute. So, my baby Yoda news desk is mostly just something I can't have, which breaks my tiny little heart, but whatever. <laughs> Where's your phone? <laughs> for <laughs> this thumbs down because I can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? I mean, my first thought is, will it fit in the Google, will the, will the Google fit in it anyways? Probably not. Oh, uh, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia? Thumbs up because it's adorable, but they need to make it for multiple things, not just for the Echo Dot because it's, it's OtterBox. They make things for a bunch of different phones right. anyway, so just make it for... Amazon and make it for Google and make it for all the things and then everybody will be happy. So for that reason, thumbs down. <laughs> um, I was so prepared to give this a thumbs up because I guess I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention when I saw the article and I just assumed that I'd be able to get it for my Google Home mini thing, whatever. But no. I can't. So like I, I can't give anything Baby Yoda related unless we're talking about Baby Yoda's death. I can't give anything Baby Yoda related a thumbs down. So I'm going thumbs sideways. That went dark. That went dark real fast. That sounds like us. Poor Baby Yoda. Hardly He's still alive. Don't put him in the grave yet. Hey, we got season two coming in the fall. Yeah. Plenty of time for a heroic death or something. Mitchell! Um. <laughs> Matt, uh, before I say anything else that I might regret, let's talk about Hellboy D&D. So Dark Horse Comics and Mantic Games are working together to publish Hellboy, the role-playing game. They are using the recent 5th edition D&D rules. Um, They have launched a Kickstarter for this. Um, Honestly, like, as much as I would love to D&D and don't, I do enjoy Hellboy. Um, I think one of the coolest things about this is that some of the playable, some of the characters you can get to play, um, you can create and play as a BRPD agent, field researcher, security agent, or a rookie with supernatural powers. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, It's being developed by Red Scar, which is a British RPG publisher. So they have done... RPGs, pen and paper RPGs before. So it's not like this is going to be done by a company that doesn't have any idea what they're doing. Um, and they're basing it on 
like I said, the D and D rules. So that makes me think that there will be eventually times where you can probably insert these characters into a D and D scenario, which sounds challenging, but a lot of fun. So I like that they're in league with somebody that's actually done something like this before rather than just being like, Oh, Hey, we're going to do a tabletop game now. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're also <laughs> saying, <laughs> they're also saying there might be able to be some crossover between this and like the, the there's a Hellboy board game, um, which I don't know. Anytime you can cross stuff over like that and be able to like mix and match the medias and the genres, that, I think it's a cool idea too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about uh, one of the not great things about San Diego Comic-Con. Woo, okay. So I'm going to do this quickly so I don't have time to get on my soapbox. Um, (laughs) San Diego Comic-Con's small press panel uh, didn't do a good thing. Um, It was dudes. All dudes. All men. Uh, Small press the, sausage fest. Yeah, basically. Oh. <laughs> wow. Not the moderator. Not anybody at San Diego Comic Con. Not even one of the guys that was on the panel could manage to real like look around and realize that it was a problem. Um, there are women all over indie comics. Like we see that getting things that we get, and like we're just us like we're not at San Diego comic-con but there was like no women like it was just zoom boxes full of dudes this has been a problem and like recently in like book publishing and like comic publishing there's been a lot of information coming out about the treatment of female authors and female designers and female artists by their male counterparts. Especially and, at cons. Yep, and a lot of it's been real bad. Uh, a lot of authors have lost their following. A lot of authors have come to like speak out against what they've done in the past or what their friends have done. Um, and this is just proving that it's it's still not over. Like We think we make these moves and things get better and then this happens. And the article that I read was written by um, someone who works for Book Riot, uh, S.W. Sondheimer, and they went off, basically. And, like, the longer I read the article, which you can find on bookriot.com, the angrier I got. Um, But the last thing in this article said, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, if you're not going to help us boys, then get out of our way. Like, this just breaks my heart. Like, Steens is even mentioned in this article that I found. Like, it, like, there's people we've interviewed. There's people that have contacted us that we've contacted. Like there are options out there in the indie comics world for women or even for like maybe nine non-binary people. Like it was all men. Like that just makes me sick. Like we're living in a time when like we get excited when women get on comic book panels. Like we're in 2020 y'all. Like, and I get that it's a shit show right now, but like, this is one thing that you could have fixed. And like, I've been in a panel where um, a male author has asked for a female to have the first question. And like, I've been in a panel where um, someone will get up and they'll ask a question specifically to the male author and he'll like say he doesn't 
know how to answer that question. And he'll like put it off to the female author. Fantastic. This didn't happen. Like no one in this panel even noticed that there weren't any women. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you sit down with a group of this many people and go, there, we are all dudes. And not only that, we're all white dudes. Like they made, they made mistakes. Mistakes were made. And I hope that they learn from their errors because a lot of people have complained about it. And, um, Oni Press was mentioned, Laura Olympus was, like, mentioned, which we've talked about, uh, Koyama Press was mentioned, like, there was just, there were so many options, and they just didn't find any of them, and that just makes me sick. Now, how many, pan- uh, how many panelists were on there? Um, you know what, I honestly don't know. I mean, uh, I just, I assumed, like, five, because that's kind of um, typical, but. I don't, I think there were more than that, um. I, I saw the, like, screenshot of it at some point, and there were at least two rows on a Zoom call. Oh, wow. So it was not just not just a few. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, it's one thing if it's, like, yeah, if it's a very, like, small panel, like, three or four people, and, you know, it just so happens that the people that they really wanted to talk just happen to be guys. I mean, that's one thing. But, yeah, if you're going to have that many people on and you still don't think to have – a, a woman on there, especially when there are, you're, you're right. There, I mean, there are so many fantastic authors, illustrators, you know, like, yeah. And you, you can't tell me like, Oh, we reached out to this, this, you know, this person, this person, this person. And they all said, no, like that's, that's not a thing. Like I just have a hard time thinking that like no one in like Comic-Con programming was like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. Like, especially not making any excuses, but like, especially in like, this time that we are living in, like, you wouldn't look at that and be like, well, that looks like just a bunch of white dudes. Like, that looks like a list of presidents. Like, why does it look like this? Like, I just, I don't know. It makes me mad. It makes me angry. I just, I really do hope that they learn from their mistakes because it was, it was, it was a mistake. And it would be one thing if, like, I couldn't think of, like, 10 off the top of my head and I'm Mm -hmm. not a comic book expert and I'm not someone who works with San Diego Comic-Con with any kind of knowledge. I'm just a random reader. Like, I shouldn't be able to think of ten and you can't think of one. That makes me sad. Right. A little bit of happy Comic-Con news. So, uh, in over in Dublin, the uh, the Dublin Comic-Con, like everything else this year, went virtual. Um, Many of the creators that would have been in Artist Alley uh, drew themselves how they and their bo- booth would have looked if the Comic-Con was able to still be a thing. Uh, you can check out the hashtag DCCOnline to see some of the artists. Uh, I perused it real quick, and, like, it was awesome. Like, uh, you know, it was just, like, also just to see, you know, like, all the different styles and everything, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know... Uh, implore you to you know to definitely check that out. That sounds like a fun idea because like that's one of the best parts of wandering Artist Alley at a con is not just seeing all the different authors and draw and artists that are represented because it is it's 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 men it's women it's non-binary it's transgender it's like like the breadth of artists that are there is phenomenal it always is. And then the art styles vary just as much as the people. So to be able to see how they would represent their own booth, that sounds like a lot of fun. 
Uh, Matt, let's talk about a new Suicide Squad game. So Rocksteady Studios is known as of recently for the Batman and the Batman Arkham video games. Um, They have racked up awards. Um, They've kind of become known particularly for these games. Um, And they've been teasing a new uh, intellectual property for a while. And they just via Twitter actually released what that new property is. Um, they are developing a Suicide Squad game. Uh, we don't have much information other than the fact that that's the property they're working with. We don't have any visuals. We don't have, we have a, we have like the logo, which is like the back of a guy, like a, a guy facing away. And like on the back of his head is like the, like the circular Suicide Squad logo that looks kind of like a target. Um, they're going to be revealing more information on August 22nd during their DC Fan Dome event. So we're thinking uh, the internet basically thinks that it's too early to see gameplay, um, but they're hoping for some plot details, maybe some gameplay mechanics. Um, we'll kind of see how much they carry over from the Batman games into Suicide Squad and see if that means that you get some like multiple playable characters um, and if those abilities translate into the game. All, well, not all, but more will be revealed, like I said, August 22nd on their fandom event. But um, I don't know. The The review online seems kind of mixed um, just because I think of the... Uh, what the the reaction that the movie got as far as Suicide Squad goes um, is kind of going contrary to what Rocksteady Games or Rocksteady Studios has done with the Batman games. So I don't know. We shall see. Uh, Tabitha, our last story for tonight. Um, <laughs> it terrifies me. I didn't read past the headline because I didn't have time to this week, but. I'm terrified. Uh, Take it away. Um, you mean the headline that says letter written by a possessed nun uh, decoded using software from the deep web? That's the one. That's the one? Okay, yeah. Uh, (sighs) The things I find on the internet, I swear. So, (laughs) in the 17th century, a Sicilian nun wrote a letter claiming that she had been possessed by a devil. Uh... We're, you know, 340 years later, and uh, we have finally decrypted and deciphered the message. Um, The letter was written by Sister Maria Crossafisa. My Italian is off. Um, (laughs) At the monastery, something, something, somewhere in Italy, on August 11th, which is, you know, tomorrow in 1676 so this is probably actually how the world ends uh following morning she woke uh covered in ink and claimed that she had been possessed by satan who forced her to write this message um at the time like obviously like claims were taken like super seriously about possession because you know they were like oh my god it's the end of the world so they've tried to decode this (laughs) they've tried to decode this Lots of times. Um, in the 1960s, the monastery even offered a month-long, like, sabbatical to anyone who could successfully translate the message. Like, 
they want it translated. So now the letter has made its way to the Ludnum Science Center in Catina uh, in Italy, who has uh, been deciphering the symbols using code-breaking software that they found on the deep web. Uh, I'm going to read you the quote from the person, Danielle Abate, the uh, director of the Science Center. We heard about the software, which we believe is used by intelligence services for code breaking. We primed the software with ancient Greek, Arabic, and runic alphabet, and Latin to descramble some of the letter and show that it is really devilish. Uh, they've translated 50 lines, 15 lines of the letter. Uh, so far, uh, it is talking kind of about the relationship between God, Satan, and humans. I'm going to read you the letter. Not in Latin, so please don't strike me down. Uh, <laughs> God thinks he can free mortals. This system works for no one. Perhaps now, sticks is certain. It goes on and on to try to convince the nun to abandon her faith, arguing that God doesn't work and he's mentioned by man, mm -hmm. and that Jesus and the Holy Ghost are, this is my favorite quote, they're dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this nun was evidently studying linguistics. She, she was super familiar with all of these, like, archaic languages. Um, the director of the Science Center, again, I'm quoting, said, My theory is that this precise alphabet invented by the nun with great care by mixing the symbols she knew. Each symbol is well thought out and structured. There are signs that are repeated, perhaps an intentional and perhaps unconscious initiative. The stress of life in the monastery was very strong. <laughs> you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, I frequently wake up when I'm stressed uh, saying I've been possessed by the devil and I've written you a letter. But, like, I love that it took <laughs> Poor Matt. <laughs> I love that it took till now for them to, like, find something random like, hidden on the deep web where some probably government spy, like, accidentally released it and was like, shit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes are made. And now they're using it to, like, translate, like, nun letters from the 1300s. Shouldn't have told you that. No, I know what I'm doing with all my time now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to find random notes written all over the house now. That's just at work where I leave myself post-it notes. I don't understand. <laughs> it's not just at work. You have a note here that you didn't know what that read. Oh, yeah. I thought it, it said mug, M-U-G, but I was like, what's MLS mean? <laughs> like, that's not a note that I, that's just my shitty handwriting. <laughs> Quick, to the dark web. It translates your handwritten notes. I mean, sometimes web. I'll leave myself post-its at work that just have numbers on them, and then I get to work the next day, and I'm like, what were these for? Hmm. Suspicious, <laughs> and then I just throw it away, because I couldn't have been that. <laughs> It sounds uh -huh. like that sounds like a terrible M Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> <laughs> you you try to like crack the code or whatever, and it turns out it was you the whole time. I mean, honestly, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> recipe for cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when I leave myself a note at work, and it'll have a first name and then a number, but I'm like. What's Why was I supposed to call this person? <laughs> or not even a phone number. It's just like Betty 8. And I'm like, what is, who? Who's Betty? <laughs> and what did she eat? Right? I don't know. <laughs> the world may never know. 
<laughs> Next time I do it, I'll send you guys a picture because it's actually pretty entertaining because none of them make sense. Or it's like a greater than sign it. and then like Steve. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so then suddenly we're the deep web and we have to decode what she wrote. Right. That's your Christmas present. I'm going to leave a bunch of notes and you guys have to use the none deciphering software to decode it. <laughs> we're going to decode it and all it's going to say is Lydia Bell. <laughs> 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 so that's gonna do it for this episode of the geek awakens uh be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week and be sure to let us know about any cool things we're missing out on uh any questions comments or concerns shoot us an email at the geek awakens podcast at gmail.com from all of us at the geek awakens thanks for listening and we hope to see you next time everybody say bye bye, bye. bye.